We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, what's up? The Bears Report is back, brought to you by Jacques Vaughn and Sean Marks. Yes, we had a presser today from Jacques Vaughn and Sean Marks. Some interesting quotes about Ben Simmons and the rest of the team. We're going to jump into that in plenty more. Make sure you check the Buzz on all streaming platforms. But Jack, where do we begin? I mean, Nick, the one that is doing the rounds, the key takeaway, one of the key takeaways from the presser from our two head guys at the Nets organization is that Ben Simmons is doing five and five, has no restrictions entering training camp, and is seemingly going to be the starting point guard, Nick. Now, we can get into the direct quotes uh, in a little bit, but upon hearing that, how, what were your reactions personally? Yeah, I mean, I was happy to hear that Ben was kind of full go. You know, that's something that just instantly stuck out to me. And like you mentioned, the quote about Vaughn and Ben Simmons being the starter, it's kind of like he has to meet some standards for him to get to that level. But if he does, Vaughn says, you know, that's kind of his job to lose. So I thought it was really interesting. It kind of makes you feel more optimistic about Ben going into the season, going into training camp, given that over the summer, we're getting some reports saying, you know, maybe he's not going to be ready. Maybe it'll be preseason. Maybe it'll be the regular season, but this is kind of some good confirmation that, you know, Ben will be ready for training camp and, you know, we should have some level of expectation for him this season, given the rest of the team does and the head coach and the, the GM do. Yeah, I must admit, I had a sigh of relief when I heard the five on five, no yeah. restrictions, because I think hearing the two on two, three on three stuff from Mark Spears was positive, but also I had a little bit of trepidation about it. Yep. You alluded to, quote unquote, an agreement, commitment, whatever. Let's just get to this quote from Jacques Vaughn in terms of we heard Ben pretty forthright, you know, when he was speaking to. Um, different news outlets. I know it was Mark Spears, but I can't remember. I think it was like a Fox News outlet uh, as well, a, a regional one sort of saying that, you know, he's going to be the point guard. I'm the starting point guard, et cetera, et cetera. Well, this is what Jacques Vaughn says in response to that. He said, in terms of him playing the point guard, I would use the word agreement more so than commitment. The agreement is if he's playing at a consistent and high level, then I think our pictures look exactly the same. So for now, there is a handshake agreement, whatever you want to call it, a pinky promise. I don't know. How they've signed to something, Nick. There is, yeah, there's, there's something there, but Ben's going to be starting at the point guard position, at least for now. 
Yeah, if he hits those standards. So if he doesn't play at the level I think Vaughn wants him to play at in training camp and preseason, I don't think he'll have the job. So I think it's, you know, him it's for his to, for him to lose. You know, it's like everything's kind of set up for him to take that position, but he still has to kind of go out there and earn it in training camp. And I think it's that's a perfect situation from Jacques Vaughn. I think that's exactly what you want to put Ben Simmons in. You don't want to gift him anything because last year the performance wasn't there. And obviously a lot of that, if not all of it, was injury related and mental health related. But he still has to go back out and prove that he can be, you know, that guy and at least 85% of the guy he was in Philadelphia to earn that spot and really take the reins and go back to being, you know, a star level player that has a huge impact on both ends of the floor. Yeah, I think that that came from what Ben Simmons was alluding to in that piece, piece with Mark Spears talking about how him and Jacques Vaughn have developed a, a much stronger rapport and relationship, which was further reiterated by Jacques yeah. Vaughn today in terms of him saying, look, I was in the wrong. I didn't know what Ben was going through injury rise and all the different narratives and the things behind the scenes. And look, it takes two to tango. As we alluded to and we spoke about that piece on a previous episode, Ben could have been more communicative. communicative. Jacques could be more communicative. But at least at this point in time, there is a strong enough respect and, and rapport to be able to go, look, Ben, I'll give you that chance, but you got to prove it, mate. And, and that's what all of us are sort of wanting. But there's also talks, Nick, and I think there is healthy enough skepticism about the fit of Ben Simmons uh, and Nick Claxton. And in, in response to that, this is what Jacques Vaughn did say. And guys, we're going to get to a lot of Jacques Vaughn quotes because Sean Marks doesn't really give a lot away. So in saying that, we have to incorporate how we're going to have Nick Clax on the floor with Ben at the same time. They both will be on the floor. I talked about turning defense into offense. So they both can provide some defensive leverage that we didn't have in the past. The rebounding piece also is incorporated into that. So that makes us a more detailed team. And so we have to be greedy with our spacing. So Ben and Clax is going to work, Nick, at least in theory, according to Jacques. At least they want to run with it. You know, they want to try it out and give it a real shot. And, you know, Vaughn talked about scheme a little little bit later on, and we're going to discuss that as well. And I think that gives you some positivity because he has, you know, the entire offseason to kind of work on this and come up with ideas to incorporate these two. And obviously Ben being fully healthy and able to really punish defenses at the rim is going to be huge. If he can get back to being a physical force at the rim, you know, he can still draw two if he's playing at a super high level and then drop it off the clack. So that's something that's potentially there. We just haven't seen it yet and I think you know great points obviously about the defense and having two you know you know now three defensive player of the year candidates at least at one point in all their careers on the same team is going to be huge and you know you and I've talked about Ben and his rebounding and his size and what he could provide and a unique skill set with the position and the length that he has yeah, look, I'm I'm intrigued to see how it all does fit. And I like the point about the rebounding because, you know, we'll get to that a little bit later because that was certainly an area of weakness that we to talked about in, in, the, in the Bigs episode in terms of our preview. Make sure you check out our preview series. But also just offensively, it's going to be interesting. Like we'll, we'll get to the what is the likely starting rotation given everything we've sort of heard and putting two and two together later. But while the numbers do say it's a positive fit, and I looked it up just then, 517 minutes that Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton have shared the floor, they are plus eight in their net rating with 120 offensive rating and 112 defensive rating, essentially. 120.3, 112.3. But all, a, a lot... Almost all the minutes came with Kyrie and KD. 
about to say that myself. You yeah. stole the words right <laughs> out of my mouth, Nick. So I, I think it'll be interesting if I look up those numbers and I might actually, while you know we're, we're chatting here a little bit more about Ben and such and sort of see what Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton, if they had any minutes together without KD and Kyrie. So I think that there is a world where it can work because it, you're essentially replacing Kevin Durant with Mikael Bridges and you're essentially replacing... Kyrie Irving with Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, and that is look, Mikael Bridges is probably closer to to Kevin Durant than Spencer Dinwiddie is to Kyrie Irving. I think that the spacing is just something that I with Spencer leaves a, a little bit to be desired when it comes to Mikael and Cam J. Like I'm, I'm confident in what they can provide. And there was again talk about three point shooting and volume, which is something we'll get to in a little bit. But yeah, I'm. I'm skeptical, Nick. I'll put it that way. I'm a little bit skeptical. Yeah, and this is not something I'm doubling down on or something I'm expecting, but I think it's also worth noting it could be a possibility of Nick Claxton shooting a couple jumpers. You know, I don't think, you know, he's going to magically become a great three-point shooter, but it's something we could see maybe progress a little bit throughout the season, and maybe that could have a big impact. I think offensively, there just has to be an extreme level of pace, you know, when it comes to pushing the ball, but also when you're in half court sets, just constantly moving a lot of movement. You know, we, we've seen teams have success when they're able to just kind of continue to put pressure on the defense. You know, if they're sagging off guys, you can take advantage of that in different ways, especially if, you know, Spencer, Cam and Mikel are knocking down threes. And that's going to be crucial for, you know, the three other guys on the floor to be aggressive from three and efficient. Yeah, and I think aggressive defensively, as you alluded to as well. And I did find the numbers, Nick, when it's Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton on the floor without Kyrie and KD over the past two seasons. It is a very small sample size. It's only 67 minutes. Again, this includes both last More than I would think, to be honest. Yeah, actually, yeah, it's a good point. So 67 minutes. The Nets had an 89.9 offensive rating and 113.3 defensive rating. So a negative 23.4 net rating. I might have to put those numbers out um, on Twitter just for everyone else to know about it. But that ain't good. But I think that might be, you know, it's certainly not plus eight good. I certainly don't think it's going to be minus 24 bad. It might just be, have to be average. But, you know, we've seen what the best, the Nets best lineups have been in the, the Mikhail Cam J sort of era. It's with the FS the five, it's with Spencer out there and it's without Ben Simmons because we haven't necessarily seen that. So there is, as it has been with Ben Simmons and his entire Brooklyn Nets tenure, plenty of question marks. Yeah. And that's kind of the entire team going into the season. There's there's talent and there's athleticism and there's a chip on the shoulder for a lot of guys, but there's also a question mark almost for every single player on the roster to some extent, you know, obviously some smaller than others. So some guys have big question marks in terms of are they NBA players? They deserve rotation minutes and other things are like Mikel Bridges. Can he, you know, take that jump to be a consistent star? Yeah, look, I look, maybe I'll get to that question in just because you, you brought it up, Nick. We heard a little bit about Mikhail. Obviously, there was large Ben Simmons talk. Do you have any other Ben Simmons thoughts? I'm sure they'll be incorporated. The BS report is going to be, we need to get a sponsor for it. If there's any sponsors out there, if it, whether you are from Australia and Ben Simmons, native homeland, or in the Northern Hemisphere in America, New Jersey, wherever you are, uh, in Brooklyn. But in saying that, should we get to Mikhail Bridges, Nick? Yeah, I just want to mention one more thing on Ben. I think it is important to know you brought up the quote between, you know, Ben and Vaughn having a better relationship. I think that's important and that could, you know, allow them to be substantially more successful, especially if he's going to be, you know, essentially the floor general on the floor. 
you know, he's a guy, he's going to be the head coach on the floor for this team. And he needs to have a good connection, understanding with Vaughn. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued because I think as much as the, the Simmons and Clacks thing is going to be intriguing, as I alluded to Simmons and Spencer, I'm going to be looking at how that fits and what the, how they're going to be staggered because ultimately you can make an argument that Simmons and Cam T might be a better fit and, and should be starting, but we'll get to Cam T in a little bit. That's probably an, another pressing takeaway. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But on Mikael Bridges, we heard that Jacques Vaughn talking about him said, we are going to put more on his plate, ask him to do more now. This guy's played 392 games straight in an, in an NBA, you know, in the NBA arena. You know, there, there is going to be, what, what is the more on his plate, Nick? He's got the gravy, he's got the potatoes, he's got the protein. How much more can you feel on Mikael Bridges' plate? Yeah, it's the creation. You know, that's what it is. I think creating for others and elevating your teammates. You know, we saw what he can do as a score and kind of, improving his role last year and now it's kind of taking that step and making your teammates better and understanding you're going to see more attention and what you do in those situations you know we saw in the playoffs at times he struggled a little bit but it was a new scenario and he had an entire summer to work on those things and really develop his game a little bit further and I think also you know pull up threes you know we want to see that a little bit more I think just really leaning into being a lead guy in a team. And last year, it was a, a pretty big transition considering what his role was in Phoenix and to what it was in Brooklyn. No, definitely. I think that playmaking is going to be the number one thing. But also, if he's playing a large portion of his minutes with Ben Simmons or Spencer Dimwoody, how many opportunities is he going to be given the chance to do that? Even Dennis Smith Jr. as well. So while I would love to see that and him get to a point where he's sort of Kevin Durant, but I think Kevin Durant developed that a lot in the, the Golden State Warriors system. You also need to realize that 
you know, this guy is incredibly durable. He is an Iron Man when it comes to 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 suiting up and and playing NBA basketball. I think there needs to be a, a level of a balance. If there's going to be high level defensive responsibilities for him as well to guard, maybe the best one, two, or three on the opposing team. But maybe if Ben and Clacks are back, you know, and 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 playing significant minutes together, that lessens the load for Mikael Bridges defensively. So, I'm um, I'm looking forward to seeing what that is more on his plate that you know i really liked his his three-point shooting his pull-up three-point shooting i thought that was a real strength of his looked incredibly comfortable doing it I'll, I'll, i remember putting out the percentages quite a bit ago um towards the end of the regular season but he was really efficient from there he's so good at getting to the line you know he's incredibly crafty he said he learned a lot of that from from chris paul back in his phoenix days so as you alluded to, the, the playmaking for others is going to be an intriguing thing. We've already seen some glimpses with him and, and Nick Claxton developing a little bit of a synergy. So I think it'll be how he does that with the, the rest of his team and how he is, you know, not, and uh, I think as well, increasing those reps for him, <clears throat> excuse me, when it's not Spencer Dimity taking those clutch shots, as we alluded to in the guards preview episode, you know, putting the ball in Mikhail's hands when it matters for extended periods of time. When the game is on the line, you're not throwing it to Spencer Dimwitty to chuck up a, a pull-up deep three. You give that to Mikhail Bridges to try and get to the line or hit a, a nice smooth mid-range where he is growing exponentially also. So I think the more on his plate is just the ball in his hands a little bit more and taking it out of Spencer's hopefully too. Yeah, I think it's also like you, I thought you brought up a great point, Jack, with the defensive assignment. You know, maybe it's one night, you know, Ben's taking on the number one guy and he needs a little bit lesser load offensively. Mikel can step up. Maybe it was one night, it's a matchup that's really good for Mikel defensively. You're going to ask him to do a little less in terms of playmaking. So finding that balance night to night is going to be really important. Yeah, it's going to be crucial. And in speaking of roles, Nick, Cam Thomas's role. Now, this is not going to impress many people. It didn't impress me uh, upon seeing it. It just seemed like a carbon copy of Camp Thomas after he scored 40 points against Philadelphia or Indiana. But in saying that, the question, and this is via sort of Lucas Kaplan and, and Christian Winfield who asked the question, in response to Camp Thomas's role, will it be six-man? Will it be a consistent minutes? And Jacques Vaughn said this, yeah, I think, you know, the Ben questions, the Mikhail questions, Cam Thomas questions, they all fit around. You still got to perform. At the end of the day, you're going to be judged on your performance, and that's going to garner the minutes. And so the performance is on both ends of the floor, defensively and offensively. So we want to see growth on both, both ends of the floor. So that's the challenge for every individual that thinks they should be playing. At the end of the day, are you doing both things? Are you giving enough on both ends of the floor? And so that's what everyone will be judged on performance-wise. That's why camp's going to be great, the competitive part of it. Nick, I think you need to talk before I start ripping my hair out and smashing my laptop. Yeah, I mean, very similar to what we heard a lot last year. I think it's pretty clear there's something that Cam's not doing on the floor. You know, specifically, I would guess defensively, that is upsetting the coaching staff. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I rewatch every single Nets game. Usually we watch them, you know, once. And if it's a big game, we'll watch it twice, try to see some clips out there as much as we can. So there's something going on behind the scenes. You know, maybe it's, the attitude defensively, or maybe it's just some of the assignments. I think even watching live, you see a lot of times, you know, Cam looks very unsure about his defensive assignment, especially if there's a switch or something gets, you know, uh, distorted in terms of where he needs to be, you know, and that's probably what they're looking at. And I know, you know, he has better tools than guys that played above him last year, especially defensively. But if he's not checking a box that they're, you know, wanting him to check, I can understand it to an extent, but at the same time, offensively, his talent is there and he checks a box that you don't really have on this team. 
Yeah, I, I I understand it to an extent. I think that's the most that I'll sort of agree with you there. I just think that the the leash for a, a person, a player like Cam Thomas in comparison to say Spencer Dinwiddie, it's like there's two different standards. Like Spencer Dinwiddie will make mistake after mistake after mistake. And it's just like, nah, we'll still give you 35 minutes and you can take the, the clutch, like five clutch shots a game in comparison to Mikhail Bridges taking like two. I like, I just think that there's different sets of standards for different players. And I don't understand why that is. And I also don't understand like not getting consistent minutes. When Cam Thomas does get consistent minutes, he is efficient. He is productive. So like, like what are, I just think that some of somebody is like Jacques Vaughn, just like telling on himself a little bit. And like, I don't know if there's, it's kind of similar like, to uh, Kenny Atkinson with D'Angelo Russell back in the day. You know, I think that there was things that, you know, we as fans, we were like, you need him on the floor offensively. And then Kenny would bench him in a fourth quarter because of a mistake he made and leave other players on the floor. So there definitely is a level of, I would assume favoritism, but some of that can be created because of practice habits and not to say Cam yeah. doesn't work hard. It could just be something that's going on, or it could just be, they just don't agree on philosophy when it comes to NBA basketball. Yeah, look, I, I think that's a, a really apt comparison, but is Kenny Atkinson the head coach of an NBA team right now? No. So like, I, I just think that, Jacques Vaughn has a lot of good qualities. And I think maybe is that the messaging coming from Sean Marks as well? But at the same time, like it, we've offloaded Patty Mills, we've offloaded Joe Harris, we've offloaded Seth Curry. Obviously, the additions of Dennis Smith Jr., Lonnie Walker uh, sort of mitigate that a little bit. But there were rumors around Cam Thomas being sort of traded. And, and maybe I'm repeating myself on, on what was said on previous episodes. But if you're not going to play Cam Thomas, what is the point of him even freaking being here? Like, I, I get it that there needs to be, you know, some responsibility taken upon from Cam himself. His defense is pretty pitiful. I'm not going to deny that. But I also think that you need to work through your mistakes on the floor and you need to hear like clacks come up to you like and go, hey, mate, you got to be there. I can't cover everything. Or Ben or Mikhail sort of doing those things. And I think that working through mistakes rather than sort of what we saw from D'Lo, not getting those opportunities to work through your mistakes, like how are you going to learn? Like if you're going to like make one mistake, make one bad defensive rotation and then get benched for the rest of the game and Lonnie Walker gets you minutes, like how are you actually going to show growth? I, I get you can show growth in practice and in training camp blah 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 but true growth is when you're getting the opportunity to work through your mistakes like it's like it's not just basketball it's just life itself so look i I could chat about cam thomas and if i was at the presser with jacques vaughan i might get kicked out for keeping on asking about cam thomas and his role going forward but you know i still think that he will be given a shot i hopefully well, that's I what I was going to say. I don't think this really determines much. And I don't think Jacques Vaughn was ever going to come out and say, you know, Cam's going to play a prominent role for this team. Like that was never, I don't think anything that was going to come out, even with the whole Ben comment, he didn't fully commit to him being the starting point guard. He said, yeah, we had a discussion. If he meets the standards that I'm asking, then he'll have that position. And I think it's something similar with Cam. So I don't think we should jump the gun and think, you know, he's, he's going to be in the same role as last year until we see, you know, the first 10 games of the season. Okay, deep breaths. I'll I'll take that on board, and we'll, we'll see how the preseason and the first five to ten yeah, games. Yeah, I mean, goes. maybe you could make a you could make an argument that maybe by preseason you'll have a better idea, seeing if he you know gets more minutes or if he's you know the first or second guy off the bench. But again, I tend to think that if he's still on the roster, there has to be some plan for him to an extent, you know, and there has to be some belief in him. If not then why didn't you trade him? And that's a mistake, not for Jock Vaughn. That's a mistake from Sean Marks or a mistake between the both of them. 
Yeah, I mean, it's the mistake of not trading Seth Curry. Like, it's like you're, you're not getting anything in return by playing him and you're stunning the growth of Cam Thomas in the process. As I've used before, the, the, the general premise of being derelict in your duty, Jacques Vaughn and or Sean Marks would be derelict in their duty not to give Cam Thomas some opportunities next season to really showcase his skills, work through his mistakes, and hopefully grow as a player within the Nets organization. But a player that seems to maybe have a little more of a solidified role, Nick, and obviously Shams, you know, when he reported the signing, the, the Nets sort of made Dennis Smith Jr. priority. He said this in, in relation to, to DSJ. Uh, in, in, in more about the combination of Dennis Smith Jr., Spencer Dimity, and Ben Simmons. He's like, those three are going to be essential to how we play with pace, how we get to the rim, how we get paint attacks, and how we create threes for each other. So while Cam Thomas might not have his role set in stone, it seems like to me Dennis Smith Jr. almost does. Yeah, I mean, I want to say it's a little bit surprising, but at the same time, like you mentioned, the com- the the report from Shams and just kind of, you know, what the Nets were lacking a little bit. Maybe they believe Dennis Smith Jr. can provide a lot of the things that they want. And obviously, you know, some of that's a drive and kick, some of that's being elite defensively, you know, athleticism and just playing with kind of a gritty nature and willingness to do some of the dirty work out there. And obviously uh, Dennis Smith Jr. fits the bill for that. It's, it's also though going to be important for him because we talked about on the guard preview, like he had a great year last year, but the rest of his NBA career wasn't great. So how does he, you know, follow up that season? No, definitely. The the challenge is for him to to back up what he produced in Charlotte as a lead defensive guard. And, you know, his playmaking was really positive. His three-point shooting was bad. It was yeah. pitiful. You know, if there Which is... Which is a problem if you're playing... This is what I think is interesting about that. Is like the, he's obviously a great point of attack defender, but if you're having Ben Simmons, Mikel Bridges playing at a really high level... How much do you truly need that other than certain matchups? Maybe it's more of a chess piece. And he obviously cannot play in a lineup with Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton at the same time. Dear Lord, I can already see there being minutes where Dennis Smith Jr. and Ben Simmons are on the floor together. And I'm going to be like, it, spacing is so important in the modern NBA, like just the NBA in general and just basketball in general. So I, I just really hope that Jacques Vaughn, yeah, and look, I'm okay with experimentation in the preseason, the first three, five, ten games or whatever, and then you start to solidify some things once you sort of go, oh, okay, DSJ works well with with Cam T or or Lonnie or Spencer. Oh, yeah, we can sort of see you know, Ben works better with DFS than Royce, and DSJ looks a bit better with Royce or DFS, and you know it'll be intriguing to see how that does all pan out. But yeah, the there is a lack of spacing, and there is a lack of three point shooting, and even it was mentioned himself by uh, by Jacques Vaughn in terms of the fact that there needs to be more three-point shooting for the Nets. Like, it, it's as simple as that. They, Jacques Vaughn, the, the quote from him, just getting it up, he said he wants Dinwiddie and Cam Johnson to shoot more threes uh, at this year. And he said, there's no Yuda, no Seth, no Patty, no Joe. So Dinwiddie and Cam Johnson, maybe you have to stagger those guys' minutes. Maybe you just have to stagger Cam and, and Mikhail because... Our best, we don't have great three-point shooters anymore. While Seth, Patty, and Joe were liabilities in many, many other areas, it does leave somewhat of a gap. And I know our our fellow podcaster, Doug Norrie, um, was speaking about the fact that the Nets, you know, were 35.4% from three, you know, 20th in terms of their, their efficiency. And when you took out Joe Harris and Seth Curry, that number dropped to you know just above 34%. So while I think 
the the we might be maybe Doug seeing something that we aren't, and we might be overlooking the fact that this could be a problem there. Yeah, it definitely could be a problem. I think they're banking on guys, you know, stepping up and improving that area. But also, I think maybe there's part of them is banking on Ben Simmons creating three point shots. And as you brought up many times on this show, you know, Ben has been one of the best in the NBA when healthy and creating threes for his teammates. So if you're generating better looks, you're just more likely to knock down threes, you know, more wide open looks, higher percentage. And hopefully some of the young guys can take a jump. You know, if Cam Thomas takes a jump and catch and shoot threes, you know, at a higher volume, he's almost a lock to get minutes because you need that out there. And that's, that's going to be a factor for some of these little bench battles and training camp battles. Yeah. I think the, the lineups are going to be integral in terms of, you know, what spacing is going to be out there. And I think if you have, you know, two defense, two offensive spacing liabilities, Nick Claxton and Ben Simmons. And look, we've seen Nick Claxton shoot some threes in the offseason. I don't believe that yet, but maybe he proves me wrong. And Clax City, I'm always happy to be proven wrong by him. But it just allows opposing defenses to just sag off to a level where Mikhail doesn't get those open corner threes. Cam J doesn't get those open corner threes. And it requires, you know, the, the contests are, are a little bit stronger and they're just a little bit harder to hit those shots. And yeah, I think that you said it, you know, pretty po- pertinently. It's almost like Jacques Vaughn was listening to to the Wings preview pod with, with Cam J. And we spoke about him averaging seven three-point attempts. And, you know, you sort of saying that, you know, he needs to keep that level, if not get it a little bit higher. Spencer Dimwitty, I, I I just think he's an average three-point shooter. And, and maybe playing alongside Ben Simmons, he gets more catch-and-shoot opportunities. And that's probably going to be where he increases that efficiency because a lot of the stuff that he's done in the most recent sample size is, is sort of self-created. So yeah, I think that there is you know, a, a, a minor worry about the Nets three-point shooting, Nick. I think that the volume will probably be there. It's just not all three-point shots are created the, the same. You know, yep. open shots, semi-contested, totally contested, wide open. It'll be intriguing to see while, you know, Spencer and Ben and, and Dennis Jr. can create those three-point shots those three guys can't really create from themselves outside of Spencer. Yeah. And it's also important to, you know, see if maybe some of the new additions can step up. We talk about Watford and his potential maybe of being a stretch big. And, you know, if he has a good season from three, just having so many young guys, part of it is like, yes, there's a sample size of them in the NBA, but also there's room for them to improve. And we've seen guys make jumps from three and really improve their career. And just one off season, sometimes maybe not drastically, but becoming a league average three point shooter it would be something beneficial to this team. You know, we're not asking for someone to have, you know, 50% from three, but if some, if a lot of these guys can just shoot close to league average, it opens up a lot of things. Definitely. Now, another issue that we've spoken about, and, and look, it just feels like the Jacques Vaughn and Sean Marks are subscribed to the buzz. So if you aren't already, make sure you are and give those five stars because they were also speaking about the rebounding, Nick. Mm. And in terms of being asked about that, there's some extensive quotes from it. So just stick with, with me for for a little bit, uh, listeners, as well as you. He said, there's not going to be one man out there that just fixes a rebounding deficiency. We're going to have to do that by committee. The people we brought in, a lot of them have a lot of length. There's a lot of IQ out there. JV system is going to help with a lot of that. We may not be the best defensive rebounding team in the league, but the plan is certainly to be better than we were in the past. And that's going to be by committee, by a system and a mindset from all of our players. He also said this in relation to schemes. He's like, there are schemes that we leaned 
And this was Jacques Vaughan. There are schemes that we leaned towards last year. We were just a little bit handcuffed with how we had to play, i.e. scheming. But that's me sort of saying that. With the training camp, I'm going to try and put more things on the guys played early in the year for us to try out. So I think schematically, that's one of the things. I think Dayron Sharp gets an early look and see how he can impose his will, not only helping us. In the past, I have not blinked an eye at playing small, and I won't again, just because there'll be some times where we need to play small and space the floor. But Nick and Dayron will have a chance to impose their will. So that's... That's, that's relatively positive to hear, I would say, Nick. Yeah, I would say it's positive. I think on multiple fronts, one on the rebounding front, but I also think on a defensive front, we've talked about this on this show, on general NBA pods, having multiple defensive schemes you can throw at opposing teams is huge, especially the later you get in, you know, the season gets to the playoffs, just being able to adapt. And every night you're going to play a different team that has strengths and weaknesses to their roster. You know, one night you might have to switch another night. You can play drop because they don't have any pull up threats, you know? So just having all these different things in which the nets can implement, is going to be huge for them defensively. And if they're going against a great rebounding team, you know, you might elect to switch less so you can keep Clax and Dayron closer to the rim. And that's going to be something important. I think also just Vaughn being the head coach and making it really priority that everyone gets involved in rebounding is going to be huge too. Yeah, he did say that they would play small. So I'm I'm intrigued to see if you know DFS is going to have a large responsibility on his shoulders or but he also alluded to, as we spoke about earlier, Ben Simmons and Clax, you know, helping with them playing together as well, even if that does clog the it offense. It could be a, a big bit. factor so, for Ben. Like him just being if he is athletic again and just moving well out there, his ability to probably steal rebounds just because of his size and length is going to be important. Yeah, you could just see him like waiting for the ball to get to him compared to say like a Clax who would like bounce in the yep. air and just want to like snatch that ball before it, you know, at its highest point. So, and obviously it'll also allows Ben to initiate open court opportunities and, yep. and transition opportunities Arguably as well. Maybe his best skill. Literally. So if he's rebounding well, then it it might be a little thing to look for in terms of how that affects the Nets offense too. So I'll be looking for that. I think that stylistically and schematically, that is a, a positive because having that flexibility and doing it now and implementing yep. it now in training camp, in preseason just goes, okay, let's work on this shit. So when it comes to game 20 and we need to change something up against the Denver Nuggets. We have this, you know, up our sleeves rather than just going, uh, what do we do here? We we might have to just try some things on the fly that we've never even tried because you don't get practices, you know, to, to the same extent you do when there is preseason to, to work on things here and there. So that's something that I'm positive on. Again, we'll, we'll see how it all works. Yeah, I'm excited to have, uh, see Vaughn really implement his own scheme and philosophy on this team. And like, yes, he had the team, but again, this was like a new team at the trade deadline. Four out of five starters were acquired at the trade deadline. And, you know, you're on the go and you're still to an extent run, running basic stuff because it's so many new players. And also, you know, Steve Nash starts the season. Who knows what he was doing last year in training camp. So I really will be able to gauge Vaughn as a head coach this season. I think last year we were able to take some things away, but at the end of the day, it's not necessarily a fair assessment because of all of the ups and downs. Yeah, we'll we'll assess it going forward. We like to think that we're pretty objective and fair observers. Maybe you most more so than me. But another exciting thing, Nick, was the fact that Derek Whitehead, according to Sean Marks, the rehab is going fully to plan, and he will definitely be playing this year. Uh, I can't wait for that. I'm so excited to see this kid put on a Nets uniform. Yeah, I think always with a young player, that's an, a, a real big unknown. Just because his college season, he was clearly not healthy. And in high school, he was so electric and looked like he was going to be one of the top college players. And now 
an opportunity for him to be healthy in a Nets uniform and have a real chance to play, you know, potentially NBA minutes by the end of the season is going to be huge. You know, I assume you'd spend a decent amount of time in Long Island, but who knows? Let's see. Let's wait and see. Um, in, in saying that, Nick, we'll finish with this. Brooklyn Nets 85 was putting two and two together. We'll have a bit of a chat about this too to finish the pod. He thinks that based off the press, based off everything, this will be the rotation out of the gate. The starting five, Ben, Spence, Mikhail, Cam, Jay, and Clax, with the backups being DSJ, Cam, Thomas, Royce, DFS, Sharp for now. And then he said once he sucks small ball with Watford slash Baisley. Not sure where Lonnie fits in, but I'm sure injuries will give him chances. Do you agree that that's likely to be the rotation? I quote tweeted this tweet and said, this is spot on (laughs) because I think based off of the presser, this is kind of what you expect the starting lineup to be. I think the bench stuff will be interesting, but given all of the little breadcrumbs we have, it seems likely to be this. I think that's almost a three-way battle between Dennis Smith Jr., Cam Thomas, and Lonnie Walker. We've talked about that this summer in terms of kind of fighting for minutes because there's so many to go around. But if DFS ends up playing more small ball five, Maybe that could open up some more guard minutes. It's going to be really interesting to see how he balances out that bench lineup. I think the starters are pretty, I don't want to say solidified, but if I had to bet money, that'd be the starting lineup I'd put out. Well, yeah, I'm, I mean, a lot, put out, not me. Exactly. I think a lot of us want Cam T to replace Spencer just for the nature of the, the team and nature of development moving forward. And to but... play devil's advocate, I think it would be unlikely for him to start, even if you know the fans wanted, just because he didn't have a consistent role off the bench last year. So going from you know not in the rotation to a starter just seems very, very unlikely, especially if you're asking him to pick up pick up a big role. Look, I'm hoping by the all-star break, maybe he forces Jacques Wonsen. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, exactly. I think it's more likely to happen as the season progresses. Like, let's say he's just very locked in to start the year and he earns so minutes and maybe Spencer doesn't play well or maybe the analytics show up really well. Because I think also with this starting lineup, I wouldn't be surprised to see quick subs, especially with Ben and Spencer if they're not vibing. Yeah, the rotation and the nature of it will be inter- interesting. And Lonnie Walker, I think I could easily see him supplanting Cam Thomas, not because, again, not because I want that, but because Sharfon trusts uh, a more experienced NBA player and, and maybe he forces his hand as well and Cam is making too many mistakes or it's just the, the same sort of nature of the minutes that Cam Thomas got last year. But yeah, the rotation is, is going to be certainly in flux because the Nets have a decent amount of depth and we'll see how it all pans out. But, you know, a lot of stuff that we got from this presser, Nick, was pretty exciting. And I'm intrigued to see how it all comes together, heading into training camp, hearing the players talk and, and seeing it, it, it all unfold in the preseason and regular season. Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, Jack, it was exciting and it really gets you kind of hyped up for the season. This is kind of like it's fun doing the preview pods and talking about the different topics, but the, hearing from the head coach and you know Jacques Vaughn and Sean Marks and just kind of visualizing some of the things that they're putting out there, it kind of gets you ready for the year. So hopefully everybody's healthy, great training camp into preseason and a really good, strong start for the Nets. But Jack, always a pleasure and big thanks to everybody for listening. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.